Welcome back, Tributes, to episode 48 of Into the Arena. I'm Holly. And I'm Emily. And today we have a very exciting guest for us to talk with. But before we dive in, some announcements. Tribute Talk tomorrow, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Like always, be there. (laughs) (laughs) We are reading chapters 15 and 16 of Mockingjay with all of our friends. So come stop by for that. Um, And... Our biggest announcement is that Brian is here. Um, Brian, you may know them as um, Panem underscore archives on Instagram. So Mm -hmm. we are so excited to have you. Um, Before we get into our discussion with you, though, we have some rapid fire questions for you. (laughs) Are you ready for them? Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. Compose. Favorite Hunger Games book? (laughs) It would have to be the first one, The Hunger Games. Good choice. Yes. Favorite Hunger Games movie? Very easy one, Catching Fire. Yes, yes. <laughs> Favorite Hunger Games character? Katniss. I relate to her really easily. Mm-hmm. So um, love that. This is off to- off of that, but if you can't pick Katniss, who is your other favorite character, side character? Probably not the most popular opinion, but probably Gale. Gail, okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. um, Re- Gail representation your... right here. Oh my god. <laughs> Not the Gail Hay Club. Not the Gail Hay Club. <laughs> Gail needs some love though. It's so true. this is this is good for the pod. <laughs> yeah, we we need some representation here. Um what is your favorite memory from your time in the Hunger Games fandom? I think what I really love the most is just the feeling in the movie theaters just waiting to see how everything comes together because it's going to be different from the book but just seeing set photos and hearing of things and just seeing it all come together on screen I think is the most memorable part and most exciting part of any of the books Mm -hmm. I love that and we get it again. <laughs> I know. Did we ever think we'd get this again? And, and yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> um, if you could have a spinoff book or movie about anything in the Panem universe, what would it be about? I uh, I would really want what I was hoping the new book was going to be about. Um, I, I want a story about the dark days. Mm. And I kind of right want to sort of like the way um rogue one from star wars was done mm. like maybe from the perspective of the first rebels and you know how it wasn't successful i would really like to see a story like that that's a really good idea give me, me too <laughs> that's what i was hoping for when it was first announced i, I thought it was going to be about the dark days yeah. and like totally new characters um, i mean we get a lot of new characters but just something totally different. But that mm-hmm. possibility is still Maybe. there. Prequel of a prequel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, and then this is controversial. Are Peta's cheese buns savory or sweet? I would have to say possibly both. Oh, that's such a safe answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you gotta choose a side. <laughs> well, the way I'm imagining it is possibly... I don't know if you guys know the restaurant Jim and Nick's, but they mm-hmm. have these cheese muffins, I think they call them. I don't know. But I back in Tennessee, okay. I would have them all the time. And that's how I imagine possibly them 
being. Okay, we're gonna have to look this up. Yeah, <laughs> do some research on these cheese. I can kind of see that though, like a combo, like a, a muffin. Yeah. So it's like sort of both. Yes. Maybe that'll be the answer to end the feud. <laughs> <laughs> the fandom feud. <laughs> well, those are our rapid fire questions. I didn't even address this because when we logged on to the Zoom, like obviously Emily and I were freaking out about it, but your background, it looks amazing. If you're watching, you're seeing this and you're probably going crazy over it. It looks amazing. Brian's visuals are always amazing. Mm -hmm. Like your Instagram account, I'm just obsessed with it. It's so cool. Like just the way everything looks so stylized and I, I just love how it looks going to your page and, and seeing all of the things that you own in your collection it's just and you have so much knowledge too mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I've just wanted to have you on for so long because I feel like you really are Panem's archivist like like your Instagram says you just like know so much mm-hmm. yeah I what was the Instagram I always wanted to do something with the fandom in an Instagram because I I started mm-hmm. with my personal page and I would just post stuff about the Hunger Games and then this was back in 2012 and I would always get friends just saying stop posting so much Hunger Games stuff it's <laughs> blowing up my feed <laughs> what <laughs> and so then I just I pulled back and then the whole series went through the first four movies and I thought you know no, I missed my chance but then this new book came out and I talked to a few friends and they're like, yeah, do it. So I finally did it. And Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy it. I love that people are still in the fandom, like creating new accounts and, and starting new things still. I mean, like us, we started this podcast. You've got like your Instagram. I think AJ started their Instagram after, I mean, after all the movies came out, it's cool to see that they're still, enough like interest and like people who are passionate enough to to do things in the fandom still so yeah i love that i think people always put an age range on especially like ya trilogies or stories yes and Mm. so it's really nice to see other people who are who were young younger when the movies came out or when the books came out and they're still they still have a passion for it Mm -hmm. yeah totally so I would like to ask you, because I don't think I really know this, and I don't, I don't think you've posted too much on your Instagram, but, like, what is your Hunger Games fandom story? Like, how did you first mm-hmm. encounter the books or the movies? How how did you become a Hunger Games fan? So, so going way back in time, um, I always heard about, like, YA trilogies, and I was like, I don't know what that's about. I wasn't a really big book reader. I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. visual and audio person, so I really love music, and I really love movies, because I love all the effort that goes into it, but I never really read a lot of books, because I need to see something or hear something. And so I, The Hunger Games was really my first YA series to get into Um, and I remember one of my friends and her mom always talking about the Hunger Games and what I would hear bits and pieces and then they said something about survival or it's a survival story so my mind automatically went to one of those you know cliche plane crash stories where children are on the plane and 
the, the adults are gone and they have to figure out how to survive. And that's what my first impression of The Hunger Games was. And then the trailer came out and I took a look at it and I was really interested. I was really interested. And then I was at Sam's Club with my family one time and I saw the book and it was on sale for like $5. And so then I asked if I could get the book. And so I got the book and then before we even left the store, I had already read the first chapter and I was instantly hooked. And that's how it started. Love that. (laughs) How could you not? (laughs) So I guess you mentioned your interest in music in the fandom. What is your favorite score from any of the soundtracks? And do you have a favorite track from there? I always think about it, and it's very hard to rank them. But I think I would have to go with Catching Fire, um, just because after the first film, I had a lot of things in my head on how the movie should look and how the movie should sound. And especially with James Newton Howard, I wanted the score to sound more like the village with like a very powerful violin sound and he kind of did that um he did with it with a fiddle style and so i really enjoyed that and so catching fire became my favorite one and then for a specific piece my absolute favorite is arena crumbles that's a good one that's good there's a lot of good ones in catching fire (laughs) i think all all the pieces that have that theme that's in arena crumbles they're really my favorites you know starting with uh i had to do that then katniss is chosen and then arena crumbles just i really love that vocal work that he did that piece Yeah, it always, it's just so eerie whenever you listen to it. Always gives me chills. It's epic. <laughs> all, all of his music is epic. What are we talking about? I'm curious, like, do you do you play any other instruments besides piano? Um, musically, I started off with the tuba. Um, that was oh, in, okay. That was in middle school. And then in one of the books that we had, it had the keys on a piano labeled and so from there i took that started learning notes on the keys and then just taught myself piano and i really stuck with piano i can't i don't have any recollection of how to play the tuba and i've tried to do other instruments i've given violin uh, a try just to try and play some pieces from the hunger games um but it hasn't really stuck so right now it's just mostly just piano i do do the organ a little bit but they're very similar so Mm -hmm. i i love the posts that you're posting on your instagram of the clips from the hunger games movies and then you're playing the piano like Mm -hmm. i just i think it's it's so cool yeah the talent because i feel like in this fandom there's so there's so many creative people but i feel like right now you're the big musical aspect of the fandom like in terms of what people are producing and content that is being created so that's really exciting and I'm excited for the ballad score to come out for you to get to do that all over again it'll be so fun yeah I'm I'm, although I'm still waiting for a 
P official piano book from Mockingjay Part mm. 1 and 2. We never got those. Interesting. I feel like there's so many things from Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2 that we just never got. Yeah. They just stopped with everything. They're just like, oh, well, here's they all the They stopped caring about us. Soundtrack. <laughs> you don't yeah. get anything else. I, I think they were trying to get um, Divergent more on its feet. Oh, I know. And so I think mm -hmm. they're like... That's a good point. They like it enough. I think we can try and help our other properties. And so, I mean, if you really look at it, there still is a lot, especially with the viral marketing for like the district voices and the capital TV, which I thought was really cool. But then it also plays with the story where information put out is restricted. And so they <laughs> restricted the promotion for the movie. So you only see specific things if you want to look at it that way. So. <laughs> that helps a little, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, like Holly was saying, you have so many cool and like unique talents that like you bring to the fandom that like other people like aren't, aren't doing just like music and then everything with like costume design and the costumes i feel like you're really like a wealth of knowledge in that area is is that like so you started music before you were into the hunger games like playing piano and everything but like costume design is that something you were into before the uh, hunger games or is that something that like came from your love of that um it came from catching fire uh when i growing up i always thought you know, going into a profession, I didn't really know what to choose. I was always doing art, then science, then just going all over the place. Um, so then I stuck with music and James Nahar has been my favorite for a long time. He did the scores for my three favorite Disney movies, um, Dinosaur, Atlantis, and Treasure Planet. And so always with music, it was, he was, always there um but the costuming and fashion did not happen until catching fire with trisha marvel's work um she really got me into looking at different designers seeing how you could put them together and then i started creating my own stuff and my first fashion project was making my own katniss cowl oh, and, wow. oh cool yeah and so then from there i just became obsessed with how to take clothes apart put them together um, and growing up, my mom, she taught me how to sew, she taught me how to knit, but just basic stuff, just, you know, just in case anything, I needed anything. And so then I started looking back on those skills that I learned, and then I just expanded it, looking up YouTube videos. And then I did study for a little bit at um, a university doing apparel design, but it wasn't really a good fit with me. I was too creative for them. And we clashed a lot, and I had to I had to leave. You needed to be on like Project Runway or something like that. Well, they did have a girl there um, who was on Project Runway, Whoa. and they put her on a pedestal, and they say mm. she's the best. And then they really Ooh. don't like you at my university. They really did yeah. not support you until you were successful. Then they would take mm. the credit, like, "Oh, they're successful because of what we taught them." So. Ugh. Gross. Yeah, I had a, I had sort I of like a uh, Cruella relationship with my <laughs> university. They only liked what I produced when it was beneficial for them. Mm -hmm. And when it wasn't, they're like, okay, you can go now. Rude. 
And now look at you, making Lucy Gray's amazing rainbow dress, which I'm obsessed with. Me too. I love your interpretation of it, because that's how I saw it as well. I mean, who knows what they're going to do for the film, but I really saw it as a more understated rainbow with, like, yeah. different colored patterns and everything. So I, I loved seeing your your concept. Yeah, I that's what I saw too, because right when they say rainbow, you automatically think, like, a literal rainbow, but I you always need texture and story within a costume. So I first, my first initial design was using only solid colors, but it all blending together into like a feathering motion to look like a bird. Cause I wanted to go with a, a bird mm. imagery um, since she, you know, it sort of alludes to Mockingjays and Jabberjays and the relationship, how that's actually the capital in the districts. But then my personal design was just too capital style I, I think I designed more like a capital citizen. And so <laughs> I decided to look more into different styles within like the Appalachian culture. And since I came from Tennessee, that's, I call Tennessee home. I'm from Gallup, New Mexico, but I call Tennessee home. So I started looking at the fashion throughout the years there. And I was really inspired by the Civil War and like all mm-hmm. the textured prints that they have back then and so then I altered the design and eventually came up with I what is now finished I have a finished piece now it's amazing so cool like I think back to what we're talking about you're contributing to the fandom in a way that no one else is right now because people are drawing their and painting their own renditions of Lucy Gray's dress but to physically see a, an actual costume, mm-hmm. I don't think you understand how awesome that is for us. Yeah, bringing something to life <laughs> when we don't, you know, we don't have the movie yet. We, yeah. We're not seeing anything. Yeah, so I was getting really something nervous. Like tactile. I was getting yeah. really nervous. Um, would I be able to finish it with the move all the way out here to Utah? Um, would I be able to finish it in time and get it out there before we see images from the film? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because... That's the fun part. Like, we talk about it all the time before the movie comes out and before we see these things, like the red skirts. <laughs> we have no idea what we're going to see on screen, so... <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> nice I, I trust trust Mobile, so... Yes. Yeah. There's trust there, for sure. Yeah. So, what yeah. are your favorite costumes in the series? I think my favorite costumes are the ones that are designed by Cinna. But each, mm. each costume designer had to design it through the eyes of him and not their own personal mm. style. Because if you look at a lot of the concept art for some, like especially the Mockingjay suit, it's, it's more sculptural. There are a lot more details. But then Francis told Kurt and Bart, the costume designers, to tone it back a little bit because it's Cinna. He's a very simple but elegant man. And so I, I like seeing the costumes that are designed through another character in the story and how it's not as elaborate as we think it is. I think my favorite one is the Mockingjay dress because mm. I think a lot of people, you know, in the book it says there's feathers. And so a lot of people will imagine this huge ball gown, but it's a really simple silhouette and it's printed, but it has these metallic layers underneath that catch the light and so i think that one would be my favorite and then the chariot dress just because of the 
details in it and how it was brought to life in the movie and more than just the simple like leotard how it is Mm -hmm. in the book that's so interesting to think about through a character's eyes i'd never see i i know nothing about fashion or anything (laughs) about costume design or anything and so to hear somebody who has that knowledge say a comment like that now every time i'm gonna watch the Cinna scene or the Cinna outfit scenes I'm gonna think that we're looking through Cinna's eyes so that's so fascinating yeah those are those are two costumes that I would really like to see in person I haven't been to the exhibition but I think at least the Mockingjay dress is there if not both of those yeah, dresses they're, they're but both there. I've heard people say and like from looking at photos and stuff that there's a lot of detail Mm -hmm. in those costumes that you just don't really see in the film and I I mean I I don't dislike those costumes but I think really seeing those in person would give me more of an appreciation for them so I would just I'd love to see them in person yeah I think especially with the um the chariot dress um everyone thinks it's black um, but when you see it in person, it's a laser cut lamb leather, and it's actually has a brown tint to it. And then there's a gold metallic fabric underneath. And again, with the light, it moves and has a really nice quality to it. Yeah, we to- I, it definitely looks black to me yeah. <laughs> in the film. So yeah, I would love to see all all the details of the costuming. Yeah, I've been to the exhibition, right? Five hours from the exhibition, so I'm planning on going sometime again. I do too, but (laughs) I still haven't made it there. I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) I need to get there. There's gonna, it's gonna come one day where they're like, "Oh, we're closing it down." I'll be like, "I haven't been. I need to go." Right? (laughs) I was gonna go when it was in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I think before it was there, and I, I. had my plan i was like okay i'm gonna gonna make it there then they they moved somewhere else and i was like oh my chance <laughs> yeah i um, it was near me in tennessee in kentucky and it was only three hours away and i kept trying to make plans to go but i never made it there and then i think that's when cool. it it took a pause and then i thought i lost my mm. chance to see it again but then the las vegas one showed up yeah i didn't realize it was in kentucky so interesting. Mm-hmm. Chase should have gone. Yeah. <laughs> the heck? Um, just hearing you talk so positively about an outfit, I want to hear you bash your least favorite outfit. Yeah, there's there's got to okay. be an outfit that <laughs> yeah. you, you hate. Right, here we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> my least favorite, it's, a, it's really a collective, is the costume design for the entire capital of the first film. Mm. I really don't that. like the satin saturation. Everything is just satin, 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 and really puffy satin. And I do like, you know, shape in a garment, but I didn't like how they all look uniform. And I understand that, you know, there's a budget and maybe that's what they look they were going for, but I just think it should have been better and showing more print texture, like with Trish Somerville. Mm. Each capital citizen was so individually made, whereas mm-hmm. you see 
of from for me i've seen the movies a lot i see repeats of the of certain capital characters like oh i've seen them in like five other scenes because they've only got those few costumes but within catching fire it was you see someone new every time so i really didn't like the capital design in the first film a few of effie's costumes i didn't like i think they should have been better um which ones (laughs) i really i don't like her reaping costume for the first film really yeah i like the what is it about it that, that you don't like uh, I think it's just the... It looks kind of like a business outfit a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And... <laughs> I love the color, though. Yeah, I think the color would have been good. I think it's just a different silhouette because, I like you said, it looked very businessy and it's more like a sort of 60s, maybe 70s look. And that's an era that I don't like. Like 70s, 80s, and 90s, I really do not like and so I it looked like that to me and so I really didn't like that um and plus looking at the behind the scenes uh clips they were always saying they didn't want to make her stand out too much they didn't want her to look like a clown in district 12 they didn't want her (laughs) they kept on saying we didn't want it be to be too weird but then Trish Somerville came along and she's in the Alexander McQueen butterfly dress in District 12 and she looks right. amazing. So I think they were too worried on don't make it look too weird that they should have just taken the freedom and designed it better. I get what you're saying about like the Capitol as a collective too for the first film. I, I haven't noticed like similar outfits or like the same outfit but it did seem like, like obviously there was a different budget and a different idea yeah. of what the movie would be, but it does seem like they kind of just like put a bow on somebody or did this with somebody. And just did- <laughs> Black outfit with a pop of color that's set. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. If they had just done different colors or different patterns, I feel like that, that could have elevated it and not made it feel so clownish. Yeah. I think that's what it looks like to me too a bunch of clowns because of the puffs and <laughs> yeah there are some like rough full collars in there too so kind of gives that look yeah but i i do like a lot of the shapes of the outfits and like some of their like head pieces mm-hmm. and like the puffiness to it like i like that so yeah i can totally see yeah. i do mean. have one favorite costume of a capital citizen it's um you see it in one of the steals uh it's one woman she's got it is satin a black satin top with puff shoulders and one like a red fan looking kind of thing on her head oh i know which one you're talking yeah, about I, yeah that's the one costume that i do like there's one one saving <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you own a few pieces from the actual movies just a few <laughs> yes see behind yeah. see the background it's just crazy to me do you want to dive in a little bit to how you started collecting costumes yeah. and that process so um i heard about the black sparrow auction about maybe a year after it happened because i was just getting into the fashion and costume design with the second movie and 
I found out about it and then I looked through all the lots and saw like oh this could have I could have had this but um rip <laughs> and then, every uh, day of my life <laughs> then, then I had also found out that a lot of it that didn't sell went to theme park connections which they do a lot of stuff with Disney and that was down in Florida and then of course people bought stuff from that auction and then you know it filtered into eBay and then uh, I think my f- if I can remember correctly my first costume that I got was a pair of tribute pants yeah it was um I think it was the district <laughs> 10 boy pants and so then from there I just kept looking on eBay and then my first major one was from uh, the second World of the Hunger Games auction where I got the male Avox costumes. Mm. And then from there I grew more and more just finding pieces here and there. And then when it really grew, um, in Tennessee I lived about three hours away from Atlanta and the mm-hmm. filming had stopped and the movies had already come out. Is I think it was about a year after, maybe one or two years after the final film had come out. Um, I was just on Facebook looking around and I saw that there was this group called Clothes From Shows that was having a sale and they had just a whole bunch of costumes from the films. Um, so cool. And they were really cheap. Um, I got an entire, well not an entire, District 13 soldier costume for 60 bucks. The pants, uh, the <laughs> Henley, and the jacket was 60 bucks altogether. Are you kidding me? I can't. Yeah. <laughs> this is hurting. And, yeah, and so I, when I heard about the sale, um, I had been messaging them because they had, I guess, a smaller one before. And I was trying to see if they still had pieces left over. And so then they messaged me and they said, we're having an actual, another sale. Um, And so I drove there um, about three in the morning, uh, got there around six, and then the sale started at seven. And so I, I was in there and it was in a huge warehouse and everything was mixed together. You had to go through, they sort of had it sectioned off like District 13, um, Whoa. and just random stuff put together. It was mostly District 13 because it was mostly from the last three films since they were filmed in Atlanta. And um, I just looked through everything, looked for sizes that I could get. Um, and I spent about $200 and got a total of 12 costumes. So that was a, that was a big chunk. And... <laughs> um, and so yeah just looking through and then i found like actual pieces like effie's costumes gail's costumes and it was all just mixed in there you just had to look at the the labeling on the costumes Um, that's incredible that sounds like a dream like a literal dream (laughs) yeah my heaven (laughs) just going through bins of hunger games costumes i've i've spent after that i spent some restless nights just thinking i should have grabbed that i should have grabbed that and and then realizing what I saw and like, oh my gosh, that was there. I should have grabbed that. And it just, it, 
really plagued my mind and how I things I should have gotten. Um, but then they had another sale, I think the following year, and it was just the remainder of the District 13 uniforms and stuff like that. The uniforms as in like the jumpsuits and button-ups, just the civilian clothes. And then it was even more cheap. It was, I think the button-ups were $3. Wait, no, okay. It was three items for $5. <laughs> This hurts. I just paid, I think, 60 I feel like it was a really good deal for now, but I saw on eBay, they had um, one of the District 13, like, button-ups, and I think I got it for 60 bucks. So, I was happy with that, but, yeah, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that I was able to get what I could, and then from there, I've just been searching eBay and stuff, because people think I'm I'm a millionaire and I have a whole bunch of money now. I just, I was able to find them at really yeah, good prices. Things went for really cheap. Like, yeah. even. It just makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, the, the Black Sparrow auction, things went for really. I don't know why I didn't buy any. I guess I was, I was a poor college student then. So <laughs> I just yeah. like sat there and cried watching <laughs> all the things being sold. Yeah. But Although with those auctions, yeah. um, there are a lot of hidden fees. Well, they're not True. hidden, but they're, right. there's a lot that adds to the price. Because when I bought the male AVOX costumes from the Profiles in History auction, um, it was $200. And then there was a buyer's premium, which is just like a fee. And that was, I think, 23%. And then shipping, mm-hmm. they, you had to go through a third-party person. And that was another $60 or something and so the total was like three something and so yeah yeah it really can add up with auction houses yeah but I mean still the prices then compared to what they would be listed for today I feel like it's astronomically different (laughs) I mean you do get some people who who have pieces and they try to sell them and they sell them for a lot higher now but they do sit there for a while before they ever leave them. Mm-hmm. I bought uh, a couple years ago Effie's alternate reaping shoes from the Black Sparrow auction. And I think that was sitting on eBay for a super long time. Yeah. I paid a ridiculous amount of money for it. It's like not even seen in the movie, <laughs> but there is a picture of Elizabeth Banks wearing them. Yeah. And it's funny, on the bottom, they have um, some gray like cement still underneath so you can see like that was the the color of like the stage that they were standing on Mm -hmm. but what i really wanted it for is because i just wanted to have something from that auction and then have one of the little like uh certificate of authenticities from that auction which i just think is really cool to have but yeah yeah the only thing i have from a black sparrow auction is a garment bag that has the logo on it and says the hunger games auction everything else i got was from private collectors yeah i've gotten a few things from uh, i think probably the same person that you got like i see behind you the the panem seal i got one of those too i'm assuming you got yours off ebay oh yeah i i think yeah. I, and I, then you got some posters and i got some posters too from yeah. mockingjay i think that was from the same person which those were pretty cheap yeah. I think so people still like will sell things because maybe they don't know what they have or mm-hmm. they just 
want to get rid of it and don't want to go through the hassle of like the auction house or whatever. So I think it's still possible to find things. It's just few and far between and you have to really stay on top of looking. Yeah, I just I just constantly I have I have a setting on eBay where I just anything Hunger Games I can see and go through. And then uh, every now and then I see a piece that shows up. And now, oh, you got it. You got to get something. <laughs> I know. I'm just sitting there like, oh, what I would give. See, when I when the movies came out for me, I was 12, so I didn't really get any participation in <laughs> buying things. <laughs> Is there anything, Brian, that you're like just dying to have that you're like really looking for, or just like a dream item that you don't think you could ever afford, but that you would you would pick that you'd want to own? I think the item that I would really want is the Mockingjay suit with like the bow and quiver and all of it. Yeah, cool. I think if it came down to it, I would trade my entire collection just for the Mockingjay suit because I really like it. Wow, that's a statement. That's a statement right there. What about the red Mockingjay suit? Would you take that one or do we not like that? Um, I like it for the aspect of um, having promotional difference. Um, and I guess there is there is sort of a biblical symbolism to it because like in the Bible it says when Jesus comes again he'll be in red and so part mm. two you know she's more Katniss is more vengeful she's on a mission she has less yes. mercy and wow, so she cool appears in red and so I I don't know if they decided to go with that sort of that biblical symbolism but I do like the suit for that, but I want to trade my whole collection for the red suit. <laughs> oh, okay, just, just had to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> but now you get to bring all your costumes and outfits to events. Like, you've been to Onset Cinema. I wasn't yeah. there for Onset Cinema, but how has that been, getting to share with the fandom? I think that's so cool that you get to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I my when I first heard about the event, I was planning on just going as you know another attendee um but then i decided you know maybe i'm sure fans would love to see pieces and so then i reached out to kenny and i said hey i have pieces um i can bring them if you would like to have a display and so then i had a few pieces that i brought set up it's really hot in that katniss house (laughs) um (laughs) And then the I th- fact that you got to set it up in Katniss's house, though, I don't like. It's just so cool. Yeah, I I really like that because seeing the pieces in a place where it was filmed is a really cool experience. Um, instead of just seeing it in a very distant museum or exhibition, seeing the costumes in a place where the story actually took place is really cool. No, it, it's so awesome because it's hard for like Emily and I talk about this all the time. The Hunger Games fandom doesn't really have a specific location where fans can, like, get together and, like, have events besides what Onset Cinema is doing. And so for you to be able to, like, bring that to people and show fans actual costume, costuming is just so cool. And it's so, like, it's so selfless of you to just, like, be like, yeah, I'm, instead of taking the easy way, I'm just going to go and hang out and see the movie. Like, you brought, you lugged all that stuff out. It's yeah. just so cool. And people appreciate it. It's very nerve-wracking when I load everything into the U-Haul trailer that I get. And I (laughs) I have to travel travel across the mountains from Tennessee to North Carolina. And it's very windy and 
steep and I, I get very nervous. Especially all those with... like be careful driving signs on your car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be careful, new driver, new driver. <laughs> yeah. I mean if you wanna ever get people away from you, all you gotta do is put your hazards lights and hazard lights on and they'll just mm. vanish. So true yeah so yeah that was that's the most nerve-wracking part is going through the mountains from tennessee to north carolina and then getting there and having enough time to set up because every time i've gone there i've planned ahead and tried to have enough time to set up but i'm always every time i set up i'm going setting up 15 to 30 minutes into the event because mm. Kenny comes in and he's like, are you ready? And I'm like, I'm almost, I have a few more mannequins to dress. <laughs> I saw you because I was at the event and you were just like rushing around trying to try to finish everything. Yeah. But it was awesome. The only ones that I have pre-dressed are the Peacekeeper costumes. Um, that's because the boots are a pain to get on. And so I they, they have been dressed since the first or second event of the Onset Cinema screening that's just so cool i don't know how you do that that's risky to bring it all out there <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i i'm hoping we can do another one um but then this time it will be even more risky because i have to bring them all the way across the country from utah mm. that's a long way um, yeah i think he said if we're going to do another one it may be in the fall of next year just yeah. so that way there's enough time to build up um people coming because he he was on the verge of canceling the last event because there wasn't enough ticket sales or if we do another one we're hoping for the fall and i have suggested to him possibly doing one in atlanta for yeah. the catching fire 10th anniversary that'd be really cool Mm-hmm. See, I and then I mean I the lead that. up to ballad because ballad's coming out next fall so hopefully there'd yeah. be a lot of interest from people mm-hmm. who maybe have even like stepped away and haven't been as interested recently in coming to something like that and it'd be in a more easy place to get to than driving all the way out to hickory yeah just kind of in the middle of nowhere yeah <laughs> Sounds about i right. mean i enjoyed going there though mm-hmm. as someone who had never been there before and and seen you know district 12 yeah i don't know if i would go back or not and and like do it again so yeah yeah i i we were looking at places and it's very hard to find a place because then the place wants to charge and yeah they have their own stipulations of what you can do there so we i have suggested that we do maybe a mockingjay part one uh screening but at where the quarry location is where they where she sings the hanging tree um mm-hmm. but that is a public park and he said usually anything with a public park it has to be free so uh, yeah so and then i under, think under the table <laughs> uh, uh, yeah under I, I think other places i was thinking about was the the goat farm where they filmed the district 12 square that's an artist community and they're they're very picky like if you go there and just take pictures they will stop you and ask you if you paid for the allotted time to take pictures there they even have oh. signs everywhere saying do not take photos here mm. pay first pretty much <laughs> yeah rude 
So I don't, I don't know. We just want to have a Hunger Games event. Yeah, people live there, I'm pretty sure. So there's that you have to deal with. And then I think another place I was thinking of was East One House. But that may be really expensive. Um, and I don't know where That would be so cool, though. Like, it would, they have that courtyard or, like, that grassy lawn area mm-hmm. there to do it there. I, I feel like there could be a way to incentivize, like, well, we'll have all these people come and they'll pay to go on a tour through the Swan House or, yeah. or something. I mean, you know? they did have, for a while, they had capital tours at the Swan House. Right, yeah. And I, did, I was able to go to that one time. Um, and they had a room on the second floor just full of stuff from production. Um, mm. And then one day I went back and asked if they still had that, and they said no, because Lionsgate didn't renew a contract with them, so everything got moved out. So, yeah. I think I think That's the struggle. Like, where, as Hunger Games fans, like, do we go? <laughs> yeah, we need um, a place. A time and a place, and we'll be there. <laughs> it would be so cool if they started, like, an actual museum mm-hmm. at henry river mill village with hunger games things i I, I think that would be so cool i was talking to the owner um i was talking to him one time Mm because he was telling me his plans um they are planning on renovating all the houses but by the and they are going to completely re redo katniss's house as sort of as the way the new one is um, you guys stayed there, right? The we the we did stay house. there in the renovated cabin. So yeah. they're planning on renovating it to that level, Katniss's house. Yeah, and then that will be the museum area. So they. I don't will... know how I feel about that. Yeah, I I was hoping that they would keep the house the way it is for the historical aspect of the movie, but they are planning on completely re redoing that entire house. Um, mm. But they said. The timeline for that before they even get to Katniss's house is probably 18 years. So oh my you, gosh! So we, <laughs> some time. we do have we have some okay. time. <laughs> I feel like the first thing they should do is renovate the general store or the bakery, and make that so that you can go inside, turn it into some sort of cafe or restaurant, and maybe mm-hmm. have a small museum section in there, like. Because people would love to be able to go inside. I think that'd be so cool. Yeah, I've I've been inside there uh, when I was trying to hang the uh, the capital flag from the bakery. Um, mm-hmm. It's falling apart. Uh, the floors are very uneven, and um, yeah, and that's the reason why I didn't hang the flag the other times is because uh, I can't remember his name, the owner. Um, but he said that it's not safe to have people in there right now so they're trying to limit Mm. the people in there um but when the village was for sale a couple years ago um my mom and i we we fantasized about buying it and just like you said we had plans to like make the general store a cafe and then on the top level having my costume collection on display up there how cool would that have been so maybe sweet. some hunger games fans <laughs> should have <laughs> got together yeah. and uh, made something happen but i mean i feel like that like the renovated cabin like they're doing a really cool 
job with that and it was cool to be able to stay there and like all the work that they put in and pulling different like historical pieces like together to highlight in in the cabin like they took pieces like things that were from the general store and put it in there and just like the history we kind of got a tour of it and it was really cool like how they put it together yeah i I like that they do that someone is saving a piece of you know cinematic history but also for actual history um i just wish it was Mm -hmm. more for the cinematic history yeah right yeah Yeah. oh i kind of wanted to talk about so you're an archer too like you're into archery right Mm -hmm. like this just like another like talent let's add it to the list (laughs) (laughs) so i mean is that something that you got into because of the hunger games how long have you been doing that um, I've been doing archery for a very long time, uh, since I was little, um, but I never really had my own equipment. It was always like, you know, like summer camps where they have the equipment available, and then I would just spend most of my time there. Um, and I didn't really have an established personal archery style until the Hunger Games, and, you know, I looked more into different kinds of bows, because mostly my own experience with archery was you know the compound bow you know the ones with the wheels on the top and bottom and i really didn't like that style um because it was too mechanized for me um i guess that's my native american side coming out it's not very good and so once i started getting more in traditional archery um off the shelf bows and stuff like that um I, i really got into a good rhythm with that and that became better for me then I found out when I was in high school that my school had an archery team. And so then I got wow. with that and I just took off from there. And the Hunger Games has made it more fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember going to like camp out here after like grading the Hunger Games, seeing the Hunger Games, and me being like, take me to the archery area. I'm Katniss. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, that's so cool. And you still do archery, like, right now? Yeah. Well, not right now because of the move. Um, Mm. But there is a facility, the Easton Archery Foundation Center, um, which, if you know, the Easton Company is the one that made the arrows that Katniss uses in Catching Fire and Mockingjay 1 and 2. So cool. And so I, I planned on going there, but I think they're trying to fix the reservation system for because you have to reserve lanes sort of mm-hmm. like bowling um <laughs> and you have you have to reserve lanes and so there's they've updated their system i need to check on it right now but right now i've gone like a four month four to five month pause on archery and so i think mm-hmm. my form may be pretty bad right now but i'm trying to get back into it oh, that's yeah. so cool that's but really yeah cool. so yeah, I, my personal equipment is um, the Catching Fire bow, the Hoyt Buffalo. What? Mm. That's so cool. Stop. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, I have it right here. So oh, show and tell. And so I think what most people think is that the bow is a single piece, like a traditional longbow, but it's actually a takedown bow. So here's the riser. The riser oh, is just okay. the middle Learning part. new vocabulary here. Yeah. <laughs> I painted it to okay, look cool. like the Catching Fire bow. Um, some of the paint 
is coming off and then you have the limbs which i also oh. detailed to look like catching fire with the carbon fiber so then there's two pieces like that yeah and this is a takedown so cool. bow so it's like easier for storage and travel and okay. then you just you just string it my personal arrows that i use i made a quiver to look like Katniss is quivering, catching fire. Whoa. And then these are the Easton Amazing. arrows. Yeah. Um, and then the difference between the movie and the ones that I use are that these are feather fletchings. Um, that's mm. actually more preferred than the plastic ones you see in the movie um, because when the arrow goes over the riser, they compress. So that way it doesn't gotcha. sort of veer off. Um, the plastic ones just look cool. Yeah. <laughs> It was more for aesthetics, but I think, I think they should have used feather anyways, because as you can see, you can get feather fletchings that look exactly the way the movie does. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. I'm super curious, how much, how much does a set, like all of that, like how much would that cost? Um, it varies. Um, so I found this Hoyt Buffalo, um, on eBay for about $400. And a new okay. one goes for about eight hundred. <laughs> so and Interesting. and then you have to look into draw weights, um, which is you know when you pull back the bow, how heavy is it? Um, and if you're a new person, you should start off with a lower one. But since I've been doing archery for a long time, I was comfortable with just getting a bow that was the lowest price, and so this was the lowest price. And so my draw weight, my personal draw weight, is on this one is fifty five pounds which could be really, really heavy for someone. But for me, I've trained my um, muscles to be able to draw that and hold a, wow. an aiming pose for good enough. And so um, usually I think if you're starting archery, you should start anywhere between like 15 and 20 pounds. Um, that's, oh also with, that's also what that's also I'd have to be like five pounds. Yeah, <laughs> one pound. <laughs> I remember I tried archery once and I could barely like pull it back. I was like, I'm gonna be Katniss. This is so cool. And I was like, mm, nope, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's also a stigma with archery, especially with men within archery. Is like, if you don't pull a hydraulic, weight, you're not a real man. And I really don't like that. So if you're starting archery, do do yourself a favor, start with a lower draw weight. And if you want to work up to a higher draw weight, because like me personally, I would like to go hunting and do all that kind of stuff with archery. And so with hunting, you have to have a 45 draw weight or higher. That's just mm. so that the animal does die quickly and your the animal's not in pain. Because if you go like after an animal with a toy bow, you're not gonna get much done. So, oh, that's so cool! It's just a whole like side of the Hunger Games, like that I don't really know <laughs> anything about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, Katniss, she's she should be out there with a 45 pound draw weight or higher um, for a hunt. Strong woman. In and you know the arena. From it's like so the scenes that you've seen in the movie, since I mean you know archery, does it? Does it look right to an archer? Is it like an accurate portrayal? I think in the first film, most of it isn't right. Especially, I think the one that bugs me the most is the the feast scene mm -hmm. where she rapid fires at Clove and it's not 
done right. The way she does it, because she has the arrow and she just, I mean, the arrow is CG, so she's just doing the motion, but she's just putting it forward to where if you can see like, there's that shelf right here, that's on mm -hmm. the arrows on the wrong side, but you know, CG, mm -hmm. oh. they just put up there automatically. Um, and that's the thing that bugs me the most is her rapid fire in the first film. But in the second film, they fixed that. And they actually, you actually see her when she draws, she goes, she has the bow canted a little bit and she goes on the opposite side and then pulls back. So, mm, and then, interesting. so with the second and third and fourth film, the archery does look a lot more real. Um, you have to train yourself a lot to be able to rapid fire that way. I think mostly just the rapid fire. I think the rapid fire is what you have to work on and you have to make that look real instead of it obviously looking CG and enhanced the way I would say in like the Avengers with Hawkeye. I think that one that one bugs me the most of how it doesn't look real because you see the arrow kind of it's got a gliding motion that an actual arrow wouldn't have when you rapid fire and so um but i think with the last films they did a really good job of making it more realistic and they had her practice more um so they she could get the motion right so oh, it's interesting. interesting to even think of that from the perspective perspective of katniss like not even jen practicing but like going into the arena is the rapid fire style is that something that katniss would even be able to do or something that she would have had to do like in the woods you know i i think she would because especially like in catching fire um when she's in the woods she says she's distracted that she wouldn't be able if a pack of wild dogs were to attack her she wouldn't you know be in the right mind space at the moment to defend herself so i think she would know how to rapid fire just in case anything in the woods was mm. ready to attack her yeah and so I think she has that mentality, but then it got altered when she had to actually use it for combat. And so then she, you see it a lot more smoothly in Catching Fire. So cool. See, th these are things that I don't have perspective <laughs> that I wouldn't have known. You know, I'm like thinking of questions that I didn't even, <laughs> something I didn't even think to think of. Yeah. But... Oh, and uh, oh, one other thing that bugs me is that um, she only has a glove in the first film when she's hunting and in her Mockingjay costume. Um, mm -hmm. I understand that, you know, having a glove on the entire time doesn't really work, but you should always have an archery glove or tab um, mm -hmm. when shooting because the string on your fingers, um, if you have that constantly like that, you can do permanent nerve damage to your fingers. So oh. she has it on, it's part of the Mockingjay suit, but she mm -hmm. doesn't have it when she's hunting in the woods. Yeah. Or no, she has it when she's hunting in the woods in the first film um, and with the Mockingjay suit, but like when she's in her District 13 soldier or in the arena costume, she doesn't have a glove. I feel like the arena makes sense because yeah, like it just might not have been provided, so she had to make do, but yeah, for other scenes, that's that's weird when she had it hunting and with the Mockingjay yeah. suit. And especially if, like, within the story she's doing a high draw weight, her fingers would be hurting. Um, but I think for filming, they got... They had rubber limbs made, 
So it was more like a 20, mm. 15 pound draw weight so that way she can hold it for a long time while filming. Mm. And right. then she could also dry fire, which is firing without an arrow. Because if you do that with a regular bow, um, the momentum is transferred with the arrow. So all that energy leaves when leaves the bow with the arrow. But if you don't have the arrow in it, all that energy stays in and that vibrates the entire bow and you can the bow can explode on you oh my gosh whoa yeah <laughs> wow see i didn't realize so that the it can, the worst case it can explode at most maybe their limbs may crack and then they're not useful anymore i didn't realize that the um arrows in the first movie were also cgi i thought that was all like practical for some reason and i thought mm. it was only cgi like because the budget was bigger later but yeah. it's interesting to know that they they made mistakes with the cgi in the first film yeah, I think mostly with um, when she's shooting the pile of supplies, that's done practically. They usually, but with the second one, since the camera work is a little more different, it's not just her standing in one place and then she shoots because then they can make sure no one is downrange. Right. But with Catching Fire, with the action being different and Mocking J Part 1 and 2, but the action being different, there needs to be safety for the crew as well as the actor themselves. And so mm-hmm. it's CG. But a lot of the first film was practical shooting, um, just as long as it wasn't towards anyone. Like in the hunting scenes, they if you look in the behind the scenes, she is firing an arrow. Okay, I want to shift a little bit and last kind of discussion point talking about ballad um so i'm curious like did you ballad as the book i mean you had said that you would really like something about the dark days which is kind of what i thought the book was going to be about but were you excited when you found out what ballad was going to be about and did you like the book well yeah just like you i was hoping it was about the dark days um and then i heard it was about snow and I went a little back and forth, but then I re- I was thinking, you know, Susan Collins, she has more more story to tell, and so I'm pretty sure that there was going to be a purpose to the story, and not, not like sort of like how Disney films are, where like, oh, we want you to not think of this character as a bad character anymore, but as just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she did that with the the book. Um, in my initial review of the book, it was that you feel the same but different about Snow. You still don't like him, but you just you know more about him. Um, and I did, I really did like the book. I like the structure of uh, telling the game, how the games was built, and how it wasn't the same as we see in like the seventy fourth Hunger Games. Of course having costumes be so prevalent within the story again yeah. i really enjoyed that yeah it's very especially exciting. from the the capital side too i mean i guess we katniss talks about capital costumes like with effie and, and stuff too but um, just kind of a different perspective and like being in the capital so much i thought was really interesting but yeah costumes for yeah. sure how are you feeling uh, about the costumes that we've seen so far yeah, that's, that's what i want to know <laughs> like i mean i know you've said that you trust trish somerville mm-hmm. who is returning for it for the costumes but 
like you've got to have some sort of thoughts about like how you're feeling from what we've seen of these set photos yeah so the, when i imagined the capital i sort of imagined it somewhat like how we see in catching fire and the other films but i imagined it more i imagined a very elegant high fashion um what i didn't expect was the sort of 40s world war look that they're they're going for with mm-hmm. this new film which is understandable because if you look at district 13 and other and sort of the first costumes of the first film especially the capital there is that historic 40s world war look within it and so it makes sense that the story that we're getting into um, with the 10th Hunger Games would have a more of a historical look. I just didn't expect them to go so full on it looking like a period piece. Mm-hmm. It does look like a period piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect that at all either, but I'm 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 liking it now that yeah. we're seeing it. I like the idea that all of Panem, like even the districts, might have dressed more similarly. It, near like the end of the dark days and then the capital kind of goes in this total different trajectory that they're they completely go wild <laughs> yeah i yeah in that sense i do i do like it and showing that you know especially like with katniss's line in mocking jay um she's she's telling people you know we're not different we're brothers we're all together and then you see that you know they do dress similarly because they're together in the same time period and then as time goes on you just see them branch off from each other and then they're Mm -hmm. filled with you know the idea that you know especially what i really like about um songbirds and snakes is how the capital is you know you know again with capital propaganda they're telling people you know just you hear a lot of district scum and you know the negative connotations with the word district because they really don't like the districts and they're like we gave them everything what and they try to defy us so we need to treat them the way they want to be treated like scum even though that's not what the districts want to be treated like so pretty optimistic are you hopeful for the movie are you what are your thoughts in general um i know that i've given myself time to know that they're going with a different aesthetic look um i'm sad that phil messina is not returning for production design mm. um yeah but me too. i kind of like that there is an old world look to it and it gives pan am its own history than what we just see in the movies that we've seen or what's described in the book you start to see pan am in a historical context that it's been there for a long time but i'm excited to see what they um do in the film and how it all comes together mm-hmm. yeah Yay. this is yeah you'll get that someone's interpretation again. yeah this is someone's <laughs> interpretation it's not you know always ours and i do always tell people um who are who maybe don't like the movie because of the way it's not the way they imagined and i always tell them uh in the credits it does say based on not the little translation translation of so there you go 
There yeah. you go. I'll have to remember that as I start <laughs> to digest valid information. <laughs> no, it's got to be right. It's got to be perfect. Yes. Yeah. Well, but it's a good point because people do take what the movie is as fact. And so, well, what it portrays as fact. So that's a good piece of advice going forward with valid. So I like yeah. that. But yeah. I, I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. I'm just I'm just happy again, like you said, to be back in the theater and seeing it mm-hmm. and having that experience. Yeah. Will you be at the premiere? Yes or no? <laughs> um, if I get invited, I, I will. Yeah. I will be there, <laughs> and I would love to be well, there. Yeah. We, we gotta have Panem's archive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we should write a list, like make a letter to Lionsgate, and be like, here are the people who need to be at the premiere and why. So thank you. Yeah. They should just invite everyone. Just yeah. forget everybody else. Have the cast in there, the crew in there, and <laughs> then everybody else should just Open. be fans. <laughs> Open <laughs> invite. Let us in. <laughs> yeah, let, let us walk the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> that would, that would that. be really fun to walk a red carpet like that. Oh, yes. I know, right? But, yeah, this well, has been an amazing have, talk. Yeah. yeah, this is yeah. awesome. I feel like we could just talk about for hours right <laughs> like learning so much about you and all your interests and how awesome of a person you are seriously this fandom is so lucky to have you oh yeah for sure yeah. thank you thank you for joining us tonight too it's been so yeah. much fun everyone go follow mm-hmm. panum underscore archives on instagram because yes. it's very important quality yes if you're not following brian go follow brian and yeah i mean thank mm-hmm. you again for tonight do you have any other anything else you want to talk about anything before um, we close out you guys want to like a quick sneak peek at the finished lucy gray costume uh yes yes so, <laughs> absolutely give, give you guys the a, exclusive yeah. y'all <laughs> i'm like is that I even have... a question oh, oh my, my gosh i love the top and the belt and then then we have the skirt that you guys saw at the screen event yeah, no, it gives me like Appalachian vibes. It's so cool. This is like cool. so much like what I pictured. I feel yeah. like the movie is gonna have a very literal rainbow take, but yeah. I, I love how uh, like District Twelve this feels, or like surrounding, it's just yeah. very district that it feels. Yeah, and I went with um the highlighted the three colors in the book, so we've got the raspberry pink the royal blue and then right here we've got the daffodil yellow and then you've got the other accompanying colors see i feel like snow would look at that and be like oh yeah a rainbow of of colors you know and then with the puff sleeves you get like sort of circus kind of colors so yeah oh and then i did i did add for all the book accuracy there are pockets hidden under the ruffles Oh, Ooh, nice. Yes. Gotta have those pockets. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. I can't get over that. That is yeah. amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. You get a first look right here. Yeah, so I, ha- there- I have shoes ordered. They should be arriving really soon. Um, it took me a long time to find shoes to go with it. And um, I should be doing like sort of like a photo shoot, how you see the costumes on my feed. Um, I should be doing that really soon. And then I'm also going to do a photo shoot with a friend who looks like the way I envisioned um, Lucy Gray. And so so I found 
I found a location here in Utah that sort of looks like District 12. And so I'm going to do that. And then I may go over to the Capitol building since I'm here in Salt Lake. Um, and it sort of gives an academy look to it. So I'm going to try and do a photo shoot there. So I'm cool. I'm thinking I might be a little oh. over the top, but I may no. try and get some people to dress up as peacekeepers for me for the photo shoot. That's not, That's over not over the top. top. <laughs> that is perfection. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh wow. My so look out for that. Yeah. yeah. That should be coming within like the next week. So hopefully I can get all that in before in any pictures of how the alpha looks gets released more incentive for you to go follow Brian. <laughs> like yeah. if you weren't already going to do it, go do it. It's been so great talking to you. Seriously. Thank you so much for joining us. Everyone go check Brian out, follow everything, like everything. Yeah. It's amazing. We're so grateful to have you on here. Um, and I guess just to close out the show, tribute talk tomorrow, join us for chapters 15 and 16 of Mockingjay. And we shall see you soon for another episode. See ya. Bye. Thanks for having me. <laughs>